Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing everything Atlanta United post-game throughout the season as we go along. Hopefully, uh, things go a little better than uh, this first game of the season. Yes, like Michael Parker's getting the chilies at 10.03 when it closes at 10. We are very depressed right now after that game against Houston yesterday. I'm J.C.M. Jones of Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick of Dirty South Soccer is over there. And Joe, that wasn't fun. That was not fun at all. Sam, make me feel better. I just uh, want to feel better. I have nothing. I have nothing for you. Everything's bad. Uh, Life is suffering. It is. Yeah, it is. I tried to unplug today. I uh, kind of. I got out of the house. You know, didn't check the phone, and then I haven't tweeted. Got, once. A, got home once, Joe Patrick. <laughs> except to yell wow. at Payson today for like three seconds, but he had a bad music. Payson, why? Oh, okay. Yeah, so. That's it. That's yeah, it. I it's once. been um, it's been a uh, terrible time online. Everyone's mad, hashtag mad online, and uh, yeah, nothing's fun. Food tastes bad. It does. Uh, all the songs right now suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, just everything is terrible, and sure. I want to die. Okay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I yeah, I understand. I'm there with you. Yeah. I'm there with you. Atlanta United drops their first game of the season, a 4 nothing shellacking to the Houston Dynamo, who came in and from the get-go uh, just took it to us. Just took it to us. They score in the fifth minute. LGP muscled off the ball near the end line by Albert Elise. Uh, easy cross for him at that point. Andrew Winger gets the goal. Of course, I noticed, too, we may talk about this a little more, uh, Winger cutting in from behind, watching it again for like the 30th time, just because I like to be sad about things. Frankie Westenbar does a terrible, terrible job of covering him, uh, coming around the back there. Um, I think he was trying to pull off and maybe catch him offside. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah, I may have been giving him too much credit yesterday, just trying to see the bright, just trying to find the bright side in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No one really covered themselves in glory, him him included. Absolutely, but I, Absolutely. I you know, we can, we'll get into it later. I, I I think that some of the things that people are giving him crap for are maybe not quite not so much his fault, but um, but yeah, his one on one defending was quite skittish. Then about nineteen minutes later, twenty fourth minute, Philippe Cinderos uh, scores a goal off a short corner, no less. I'm sure Atlanta United fans were uh, happy to see that work out against them. Uh, for once. that was that, can we hold up? That was absolutely. terrible from us. Like that was oh, so bad. It was like it was like we were switched off, not even thinking about what was going on. We just let them take. It wasn't even that short of a corner. Like it was a it was a corner like passed on the ground to the edge of the box. Like it was. Yeah. It's not like the guy was standing ten. You know, ten the the requisite ten yards away. Cross comes um, in. And no then, one's and they just too. Did, they, Yeah, I mean, header. we had no one out there to defend anything like that. Uh, that was that was that was. That was sad. <laughs> it got sadder. Five minutes later, 28th minute, Minotis. Uh, an easy finish for him. 3-0 at that point. And then our boy Brad Guzan, who at that point was, for being down 3-0, was having a pretty decent game. He saw mm-hmm. everyone else as being terrible said, hey, guys, wait up. 
and threw the ball essentially right back into the path of the Houston Tackers uh, on a cross. Was it off a, a free kick, I think? It was off a free kick, and cross comes in, out swinging. Guzan just kind of slaps it right back into the path of a Houston player. Um, I think it was Seren who ended up finishing it. Yeah, Seren. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was four. Yeah, that was schoolboy, like literally something you would see in a high school game, where where a goalkeeper just flaps the ball back into the mixer instead of. I mean, the ball was kind <laughs> of the the ball was tailing it, when he where he hit the ball with his hand was at the back post, mm-hmm. and you know, you would think he would just want to either slap it away for another corner kick or just or just whap it, you know, towards the sideline, which he. It or seemed to me like easily could have done. Maybe he was like trying to catch it or something, and it like muffed oh, off his hand. He could but, have like, easily just let it go. He could have just yeah, let it go. yeah, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, or he could have let it go. It would have gone out for a goal kick. Yeah, I mean, just um, a bizarre play on a really bad day. Uh, to sum it up, kind of nicely in the 48th minute. By the way, that goal came in the 52nd minute. That fourth one uh, of stoppage time. Uh, oh, seven yeah. minute of stoppage time. <laughs> Uh, because we it was, had some uh, weird things going on before that. Yeah, Sam, you and I watched the game together at a bar, and it was so funny. We were at, um, well, it wasn't a bar; it's a brewery, second second self uh, brew house drinkery. Still not I don't right. know what You're it's called. Get it right, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, uh, whatever it's called. Um, when they when they put the board up for seven minutes, all of our fans were like. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, no one was confident. Like everyone just wanted the game to be over. I mean, like yeah. as soon as possible. Um, Houston, let alone have seven it. additional minutes. Just enough to score in the last moment of stoppage time in the first half. It's four nothing at that point. Um, maybe there was a slight glimmer of hope in the 48th minute when Joseph Martinez uh, gets knocked down in the box. 48th minute penalty. Uh, Miguel Almiron. Steps up, and everyone kind of looked at each other and made the same joke and kind of nudged each other like, oh, he's going to miss it. And part of us believed that, I think. But when it actually happened, it still hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. It hurt to the point where I just I, I fell to the floor and started laughing. I, I described myself as Walter White <laughs> in the crawl space uh, on Breaking Bad. Um, Harris Kreskich was also there. Scott Zorni was there with me. We just broke down laughing. It's all we could do at that point. Uh, he bangs it off the post, and there was nothing really else going on after that. I started tweeting animal gifts from the Dirty South Soccer account because everyone said they wanted that rather than any updates not? from this game. So a miserable, miserable day all around. Um, a, cu- a couple things uh, sure. I wanted to mention. Um, also, uh, Miguel Almiron had a terrible miss that should have oh, been yeah. an easy goal in the first half. Uh, it was a low cross from the left side, and he tried to kick it in with his left foot. Um, and it's obviously one of those ones where you just put your right foot on it, cushion your right foot on it. There's no way you can miss it. And, uh, it's going to be a goal. And you know, those things happen. Everyone points out that he should have used his right foot when he misses it. Um, but you know, he, he, he should have used his right foot to be honest, but, um, that was, that was really bad. He was just so off yesterday. It was a little disturbing at the same time. It would have just made it three, one. It's not like yeah. it really oh, would have yeah. yeah, talking about that extent, you know, but still, it's just, yeah. just kind of a, it explains what happened yesterday. Yeah, we're talking about putting Band-Aids on a stomach stab wound here. Um, and then also, I, one other thing I wanted to mention about something we talked about. Yeah, go ahead. Was uh, uh, on the Martinez penalty that he drew that Amaran ended up missing. Uh, great assist by Michael Parkhurst on that. I was watching back some of the highlights last night. 
that was created from just a pass from Michael Parkhurst from the back that just sliced all the way through a pass on the ground, sliced all the way through midfield and was just perfectly into Joseph stride. He saw him making a run. Um, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive vision for a center back to be able to see a striker making a run like that. Um, so, you know, there's one the newly substituted one Michael Parkers too. Uh, yes. for whatever reason, yeah. uh, he seemed healthy enough to go that long. There's been a lot of discussion about why he wasn't in the starting 11 in the first place. Yeah, I feel bad because uh, I had talked to Tata on Thursday about this, and you know he had played Parker's played ninety minutes in pre in the last preseason game, uh, and then he was also asked about his health and availability at that training, and he said that he he was like, oh yeah, he's totally fine. He's been training fully for two weeks. Uh, there's nothing to be basically saying. There's nothing to be concerned about with him. Uh, I thought at that point he was an automatic starter. I don't know if he was actually worried about his fitness at all, or I don't. I don't know. Maybe I. I can't imagine. I have to think that that's what it was. I. I can't imagine um, he would think he was better off with shuffling it around with Lorenowitz at the back and. Make, I had to. I don't know. It, it seemed like with the way he played in the game, he could have gone ninety minutes, no problem. But that's the way it went. So. Anyway, sorry about that for anyone who got the impression that he was definitely going to start, because I did. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thanks, mm-hmm. man. Um, gosh, I, I'm still. It's been, it's been 24 hours. I'm still just kind of shell shocked by the whole thing. I said this. I said this yesterday. We had waited three plus months since the Columbus game for something positive, something good since the playoff loss. And we kind of came in, I think, expecting that on a lot of levels mm-hmm. yesterday. It obviously didn't happen. <laughs> Just didn't happen. And I think maybe we've had, I don't want to be overreactionary, uh, but that's kind of what this podcast is for, to be overreactionary. But it's it's kind of it's kind of humbling in a lot of ways, I think, as far as our expectations sometimes with this team and you know, expecting them to go out and be world beaters every time they show up. It's just not going to happen. It's not the way the league is set up. It's not the way this team is really going to be set up. But still, nevertheless, yesterday, an extremely bumming kind of day. And you guys had questions about it on the Twitter sphere and in other places. We actually did do a Facebook Live uh, yesterday from your car. Didn't quite uh, reach the matches, masses like we kind of wanted to, I think. We were supposed to have a podcast recording yesterday as well but couldn't quite work it out with us at second self brew company but going forward we'll have that live element to our h dad uh in the mercedes-benz press box at home game so look for that next week but you guys had questions on twitter the first one comes from wasn't there something that could have gone wrong in that game that didn't and that's from at bub bad pub shark uh cory hockman on twitter and he's kind of worded it strangely Mm mm-hmm but he's just asking if there was anything that could have gone, anything that could have gone well, anything that anything in the world um, it seemed like Murphy's Law. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're talking about things that could have gone wrong that didn't, I guess you could talk about injuries to Joseph Martinez or Miguel. Any any sort of <laughs> other injury would have been bad. Um, At the same time, LGP goes down about the 31st minute with a hit pointer. Yeah, which. Is a bad bone mm-hmm. bruise, essentially, on mm-hmm. your hip. We don't know quite how long he'll be out with that, but mobility might be limited for him going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, we might we may not see him, you know, for the next game, or or maybe he'll be in, back in. I, I'm not sure, but uh, 
stay tuned for news on that. I, I don't. I just don't know like how to take this question. Pretty much everything went wrong. I can't think of a really a good point. Um, I think we. I, I guess if you want to try to find positives, I think we played better once Parkhurst came into the game. Um, okay. I can't. I don't know if he was involved when the second when they scored their third goal. Um, it's hard to. That, that, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I just thought we looked uh, the, better again. When he was uh, in. Something we. Something we something we kind of talked about too is just how much space. And I think Bobby Warshaw of MLS, I want to go into this. Yeah, uh, Digital was talking about that. Was making some really good points just about how much space was being left in the midfield. And we have decent center backs, but they're not speedsters. Mm-hmm. None mm-hmm. of them. So when the midfield is getting that much space, when they're getting so many chances to run at us like that, and making our center backs have to run like they did, we're not going to be able to keep up. Not with someone like Albert mm-hmm. Luis. Yeah. It, it, so. Even slow center backs can play in a system where they push up high against fast defenders and be effective because, uh, and, and they use uh, various techniques, but um, the main kind of central component of it all is pressure on the ball and pressure and, and being able to um, attack the areas directly in front of them so that the attackers, if they are about to receive the ball, they're in a position where they're they're not receiving it in a comfortable way where they can immediately turn and run at those guys and the 40 yards they have behind them. But what happened in the Houston game was that players like Elise and Minotas were just receiving the ball uh, in just huge areas of space in front of the center backs. And there's nothing you can really, they could really do at that point except prepare themselves to start running backwards because there's 40 yards of grass behind them that they have to cover. So then you're just in a, the even worse situation where you're just retreating against a guy who's running with you, running with the ball at you. So, um, and, but it all start the problem starts before that guy receives the ball in, in this, in this setup of the team. Uh, there needs, there needed to be more pressure on the ball. There needed to be from everyone on the field. There needed to be a better recognition of the ball turning over and like, and switching into that gear where you are going into your pressing positions. Um, you know, you're doing, and, the, and you're, attacking the right areas defensively. Um, I, I I just tweeted something out a little bit ago saying that I think the, the center backs overall are getting a little too much criticism uh, and that not enough criticism is going towards uh, the, the the midfielders, either you can say in, in their play or just in the way that the team was set up, um, which the, I think you can criticize Tata for. I mean, um, whether that's it's a personnel decision to start a guy like McCann who's not really wasn't didn't show that he was capable of um, defending those key areas that I was just describing or you know maybe he could have manipulated his fullbacks a little bit to have like one of them play more defensive but they were both pushed way up and there was just it was just two v2s basically whenever Houston got the ball and we're in transition Yep, it's not unfair of us to, to criticize Tata for the lineup yesterday, I don't think. Whatever decisions were made, they obviously weren't the correct ones. And you just got to wonder how much longer we're going to stick with Chris McCann. Uh, we got to wonder why the midfield didn't seem set up in a way that was going to be effective. Uh, Nagby and McCann seemed lost a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was lack of reps, lack of understanding. Lack of talent. Hi, Chris McCann. <laughs> um, it just really didn't work cohesively. And Payson, who we talked about earlier, put up a great little chart today of uh, the passing 
chart of Carmona and Lorenowitz last year in those holding men field spots and where they were kind of positioned, where they were distributing the ball. It was much further back. It was in the defending half, and it was seemed kind of stable. The passing chart for McCann and Nagby yesterday skewed to the left side and very vertical mm-hmm. rather than horizontal. They were all over the place yesterday, and that says a lot, I think, about really their position. I think it really speaks to the lack of cohesion and, and just the structural integrity of the team. There didn't seem to be any. It was it kind of reminded me of watching an Arsenal game where they have a, a lot of the ball and they just go forward and they don't really have uh, a very clear plan in place. And so they just start throwing, like just their defensive midfielders just start moving forward just to try to throw numbers in, in, into the attack. Um, and then when the ball turns over, you're just incredibly exposed. And it makes, you know, in Arsenal's case, like they're, their center backs often look silly in situations like that in transition, just like ours did. So, um, yeah, I just thought it, it, that was a good point. If if anybody hasn't seen those charts, look at look for Payson's uh, Twitter Twitter account. I forget what Paysonino is it at Paysonino. Uh, he posted them there, or you can just go to MLS uh, and go to the box score um, on their website and look at the chalkboards to to see for yourself. Um, and I and I think when we talk about Chris McCann, it's important to say that. The role it's it's kind of important to describe um, his role and what's expected of him in that role. So uh, he didn't like have a like like an uh, obviously bad game, like kind of on the surface level. He didn't have like rash challenges. He wasn't like he wasn't giving the ball away terribly, um, at least from what I what I can remember. Um, he wasn't just like on the surface level extremely bad but it's kind of where where he 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 wasn't positioned in places where he should have been essentially um he was pushed he was too far high up the field and he wasn't in a position where he could uh, support the center backs which is his role in the team so um there there are there are kind of these subliminal things to his game that are that are completely missing um and i think that you know we can talk about what we would want in a new six or maybe we, we could do that another time but um, he just to me he doesn't have the kind of like athleticism to like move around and get to the spots where he needs to be on the field. That's that's my biggest thing with him. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I agree one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's just you wonder how much longer Tata's going to stick with it. Um, there's been some talk about his time at Barca where he would stick with older players rather than playing. Mm-hmm. Younger players, which kind of brings us to our next thing, which is why didn't Andrew Carlton get the game yesterday? You're down four nothing, and you bring in Kevin Kratz, and it's not a move that one Kevin Kratz is not going to get you back in the game, and maybe neither is Andrew Carlton. You're down four nothing. Yeah, it's late, but why get the 32 year old with tons of Bundesliga Bundesliga two experience in? instead of the 17-year-old who has shown an ability every time he's been out there to make things happen. Why keep him on the bench? It just seems very strange. And you kind of wonder how much the fan base is going to start to resent moves like Mm -hmm. that because it's already happening Mm -hmm. on Twitter at the very least. Mm -hmm. And even on Reddit and other places online. Um, Of course, the vocal minority is always kind of there, but you wonder how much longer people are going to put up with something like that. Especially with Ezekiel Barco out, yeah, and I've heard people talk about you know the issue with with Kratz coming in, and to be, <laughs> it's funny to be perfectly honest with me, 
I found more issue with uh, Brandon Vasquez coming in over Carlton because they, at least those guys play in the same position. And you know what you're like. You, we pretty much know what Vasquez is. You know, it's uh, trotting him out there in a four nothing loss. Like you're not learning anything about Brandon Vasquez that you didn't already know, or you're not gaining any any sort of beneficial information uh, to take forward. But I think I think that it was a complete missed opportunity because you in a four nothing loss. There's a lot that you cannot take. It's hard to analyze. And I think Tata said something to that effect after the game. Um, so if it's hard to analyze because of this, of the state of the game, I, I feel like, you know, getting Carlton minutes, a solid 30 minutes or 45 minutes would have been one of the few beneficial things you could have taken out of that game, a game like that. Um, it just seems like the perfect opportunity. And if he's involved in the 18-man match day squad... I, well, I don't know why he was if if he wasn't going to go into a game like that because you would think that that's the ideal opportunity for him. You know, you're not trying to hold on to a lead. It's not a close game. Just seems like the perfect opportunity, and it wasn't taken. So that was disappointing. And I think I I don't want to put mouth, words in Tata's mouth. I I would venture to guess that he would say that if it weren't for the substitution he was forced into in the first half, bringing Parkhurst in for L- for LGP who was injured, then he would have brought him on for the last 10 minutes or something. But um, I don't want to make that an excuse because um, I, because I don't think it is an excuse. I, I think we should have seen Carlton for at least 30 minutes in this game. Thinking also along the lines of overreactionary things. Are people going to start really questioning the Nagby signing if things don't shape up? I've seen a lot of talk about how he just may not be a fit. And I'm not sure I necessarily agree. I think he can be effective. But people are going to start saying maybe he just really wasn't the answer at a, at a midfield spot for us. And people could be questioning that going forward. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think he has... Um stuff to prove you know I, I think that in a way this might be good for him that um he will I, I think this is going to be a wake-up call generally for a lot of the team but especially a player like him who's obviously he's this technically gifted player coming into a team that's thought of as being a tec- technically gifted team um so the I think that you know the understanding was that he'd be able to kind of slot right in but I think he hopefully um will start to realize that you know there's a lot of expected of him more with more than just out of his feet, out of his technical ability. Um, there's, there's more responsibility on him to be a real central player in this team. And uh, I think, I mean, we've he's played well. He can, he can play in a two in the middle of the field. I mean, he's done it when he has the right partner, when he had like a Diego Chara in Portland, um, you know, sure. that worked great because Chara was a guy who was very athletic and could cover all the spaces, um, and they, you know, and they obviously all had a relationship uh, where they kind of knew where each other were going to be, so they could cover for each other. Um, so I think it'll take some time. I'm not ready to <laughs> write it off yet after one game, but I know like Matt <laughs> sure. Doyle was saying that he doesn't think he'll be a regular starter for us. Nagby won't be, um, like you know, further down the line, and I don't think that's going to be the case. I definitely think he'll be a regular player for us, um, but you know. It's going to take some time for this to for this to work out, which we probably should have expected. But you know, we all we all wanted right. to vision sugar plums and fairies dancing around on <laughs> Mercedes Benz Stadium in MLS cups, right? Um, I found that quote you were talking about with Tata. There's one part that's really good. 
Uh, the other part is really concerning. <laughs> okay. Uh, he says it's tough to do any individual analysis today, especially in a half where you're losing four to nothing, and that's on Darlington Nagby. He's talking about okay. him. Then he goes on to say about Nagby, we decided to bring in Kevin because sometimes he's more precise moving and circulating the ball. And this hit what? me in a weird way <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> we brought in Darlington Nagby to move and circulate the ball, <laughs> if I'm not incorrect in saying that. And we're saying Kevin Kratz is better at it? I don't know if there was a mistranslation there. I don't know if Sydney paraphrased when he got that quote. Shout out Sydney Hunt, Dirty South Soccer, who was in the press box yesterday. I, but wow, that is, <laughs> that, that is, is a, thing. that is very <laughs> concerning. Um, ooh, wow. I'm sure, I'm shook so, right now. <laughs> so, I don't mean to spring that on you, but man. <laughs> Um, God, I hope I hope that was a mistranslation. And, and Nagby and Kratz are different players. They're going to do different things for right. us. But still, it's kind of concerning to hear that kind of talk. But at the same time, 4 nothing game. What can you really take from it, especially on an individual analysis point, um, especially from a player like Nagby, um, you know, who was fine passing for the most part. We did a decent job passing. We outpassed Houston. Yeah. Uh, 538 passes compared to their 365, 84% passing accuracy for us, 78 passing accuracy for them. Um, well, we had the same number. Of yeah, shots I mean, it as wasn't as well. So, yeah. I, and that was, and that wasn't. This is another thing that bugged me in the game is that, um, and it, it's very uh, going back to Arsenal. It's very Arsenal-like, and that's just kind of the meaningless possession. I felt like we had a lot of possession. We were just kind of passing the ball around. Um, like we have fast players, but we did not play fast at all in that game, you know, and it's like, and Houston used their speed. They used it to ruthless effect. And we just didn't because we, um, you know, we were, I guess we were concerned with keeping the ball and not wanting to give it away and kind of using, using possession as a, as a form of defense. But, um, that really didn't work. And when we did give it away, it was <laughs> yeah. ugly. It was so ugly. That third goal is so, so bad uh, when there's a couple giveaways and it, they got a few chances just off terrible, terrible giveaways. No one could really... The passes that we did make, like you exactly, you're exactly right. They were slow. Everything was very methodical. There was no creativity. There was nothing there that looked like a, the team we saw last year that had a spark almost every mm-hmm. time they were going forward. Uh, lots of lateral passes, lots of backwards passes. If only we didn't yeah, turn it over once there. during the game, then we would have been great. If only, right? <laughs> Gosh, it's that easy. Yeah. That easy. All right. Um, that's all our listener questions we had for this one that weren't completely ridiculous. We'll get to some of those later. Uh, Joe Patrick. Yeah. What did we learn? What did we learn? What did we learn? Well, for the, for my full thoughts, you can go to uh, Dirty South Soccer. Just going to plug the website here uh, for my five thoughts column that I wrote this morning. Um, how can I wrap this up in a nutshell? I think that, okay, we've already talked about a lot of the bad stuff. And this kind of goes back to one of the questions we had about, like, what kind of positive we can take away from this. And I will say that this result is 134th of our season. And that it's a two, it's it's a road loss, which is a, a very common occurrence. So we lost last year at home on the opening day. So that you could say that was even worse. Now, don't get me wrong, I went back and watched the highlights after the game last night to make me feel better. The the highlights from the New York Rebels game from last year and obviously we played way better at that point. Um, but as a result, it's not terrible. And I feel like especially if you look at the goals that we did concede, um 
three of the four are totally correctable. I mean, they're all pretty much the three of the four are basically individual mistakes or just not, not concentrating on what's going on. Um, they weren't like incredibly at fault. And then you got to give credit to Houston on the the third goal they scored. It was just a, that was just a really good goal. Okay. You can't really do that much about that. But um, basically it's that if we can kind of pick up the pieces from this, it's not going to kill us, you know, and we, you see, we've seen teams in MLS have, terrible starts of the season all the time um lots of bad results this was one result so it's not the end of the world um we have a couple home games now coming up where hopefully we can tap into that mbs juju and turn it back around <laughs> we're not we're, we're not beating these <laughs> oh, yeah. are you kidding me yeah i forgot no, about, i forgot that was gonna one. score like four goals on us and just stare at oh, us my look gosh. in the crowd and just break our souls and then vancouver vancouver's way too tall I oh yeah that uh they're gonna score we need to get taller quick because i mean our, our our lack of height really killed us against in this game philip sender scored that just shows that we need to grow <laughs> taller <laughs> we're not being totally serious about that please no one <laughs> add us about that later uh we're not we're we are short but we're also we also learned that we're kind of slow at the back uh, if we didn't realize that already, especially when my boy Jeff gets in the back <laughs> there, um, would love to see not Jeff be the backup center back. Uh, there's been some talk about Miles Robinson. We just haven't seen a whole lot of positives from him ever, but at least he is athletic and getting Jeff back into that six role and that holding midfield spot. If Parker's isn't ready to go, I don't know if that's really an option going forward, but not a whole lot of pace there at the back for us. And we kind of touched on that a little bit with how you can be effective if you have the slow center backs, but you can't be leaving acres of space like McCann and Nagby were doing uh, yesterday. Um, which of course brings us to the other thing we learned. Uh, we please sign a defensive midfielder, Darren. I know you're listening. Yeah. Darren, buddy, pal, we talked, we know each other. Just please, man, please sign a defensive midfielder. Is we we need one so bad, and I've seen some people kind of coming clapping back at me for having said this on online, saying that um, you know, oh no, the problem is the center back. So the problem, you know, like we need a defensive midfielder, a hundred percent, and pretty sure Tata would agree with that if he were sitting here right now. Absolutely, and there's going to be what we're going to see in the two weeks. There was, you know, a guy that would have fit really well in Felipe mm-hmm. that just got traded. <laughs> to vancouver and you're kind of looking around wondering okay well vancouver did this why can we not find someone if i'm looking in the tea leaves like could it be possible that um if we didn't go for felipe then that means we have someone else we're trying to go for or trying to get because i don't know i mean why wouldn't we want to go for that why wouldn't we want to try that and i think we should have we should have like allocation money to spend um for a trade i'm not i'm not sure what the details were on that deal um, but I mean, we should be able to get someone. And I feel like if we're not going in for a player like that, um, maybe we're in for someone else. I don't know, but it's, then again, no rumors are out there right now. So it's really disappointing. Um, what else do we have? Let's see. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that pretty much wraps up what we learned. I, we, we've kind of talked about everything, I think, um, our humility. Yeah, we, we, I mean, I, I think this was, you're right, that this was a humbling thing for us. Not just for the fans, too. I think for the players, um, you know. I think that this yeah. this kind of result will make them kind of put their head down and train that little bit harder, you know, 
put in that little bit of extra effort, you know, and try and, and really try to, you know, earn their way or pull, you know, pull their way through, through, through hard work, you know? Yeah. And you gotta hope so, because it's not like this team peaked last year. It's not like we won anything. It's not like there's a reason for them to have what's called what Pat Riley used to call back when he was winning the championships uh, in basketball, what he called the disease of more. Uh, when you win a championship, players to start keep saying, well, I should get more because we did this. Well, I should get more because we did this. We finished fourth in the East last year and lost in the first round of the yeah. playoffs. You know, and sometimes we forget that because we did have that plus 30 goal differential. We were so good. Uh, but, you know, there's some, this team should be hungry and they should have been hungry yesterday. Uh, plain and simple, in my opinion. And to not have that was extremely, extremely disappointing. Uh, let's get some folks who weren't disappointing yesterday. Our Lorenowitz men of the night, Joe Patrick. Who do you got? I am going with Michael Parkhurst. I've talked about him a little bit already. Um, but like I said, I just thought we looked better when he came in. And uh, I also mentioned the the pass he had to Jose Martinez that set up uh, the Penal. The um, I just thought he looked good. Um, and, you know, no one else did. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's Which pretty much my reason. My Lerunowitz <laughs> man of the night, since no one else who actually played seemed to uh, really do much yesterday. My Lerunowitz man of the night is a man by the name of Steve Wilhite. Who's that, Probably Sam? Steve Wilhite. He's underappreciated, much like my boy Jeff Lerunowitz, but underappreciated in the tech world, I'll say. Steve Wilhite, the creator of the GIF. The graphic interface function, I believe, is what the acronym stands for. Uh, but GIFs were big for me yesterday. I was running the Dirty South Soccer Twitter account and needed some way to kind of pass the time since everything was garbage and I had to spend at least 45 minutes more on that Twitter account. So I found some animal GIFs. People seem to like them a whole lot. Uh, people like them a lot more than the actual Houston game stuff. So shout out Steve Wilhite, Lernowitz Man of the Night. Excellent. Now, do we want to get into the real issues? Uh, yeah. The, the, yeah. Che- the, the Cheese It and Cheeto Wars? Definitely. Do we have time to talk about this? Because I have strong opinions. Uh, we, we might have to speed around. Let it. me just get into it quick. Cheese Its would dominate okay. Cheetos in the Cheese Wars, and it's because of structural integrity, <laughs> which is just what Atlanta also <laughs> needed. They, they showed the lack of it and the importance of structural integrity. Cheese Its, they, you know, they've got the sharp edges, and it's harder to crush like like think about just crushing with your fingers like holding it diagonally so the two points of a cheese it are in your are in your fingers that would be difficult to like crush but you could easily crush a cheeto in your fingers you would just smash it cheeto i think you're underestimating the speed of a cheeto um (laughs) not just because it rhymes with cheetah or kind of sounds like it it's not a rhyme but it's phonetically similar um by the way we should explain this we're calling these palate cleansers by the way We, we might do some of these after a loss uh, where we'll have some questions that aren't related to soccer, so we can just not talk about the terrible, terrible things that happened like we did yesterday. Uh, so, Cheeto versus Cheese in his fight. I, I feel like you're underrating a Cheeto. Uh, you said yesterday a flame and hot Cheeto might have a yeah. chance. I don't know. Yeah. That feels kind of that feels kind of like <laughs> spicist. I don't really know. Um, but you may be right. You may be right. Um, so that was from uh, at Kick to the Groins on Twitter. <laughs> at Kick the Groins. Shout out <laughs> at Kick to the Groins. Um, it felt so like apropos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, second question from Andres Velasquez, uh, A. Felipe, at Andres Velasquez on Twitter. Uh, does this make me look fat? No. Have more confidence in yourself. 
Don't let the media body shame you. Don't let you yourself body shame you. You're perfect just the way you are. But remember to also be healthy. There is uh, a positive uh, aspect of that as well. So stay strong. A Felipe. Um, Harrison Lee has a question uh, at HL Living Loco on Twitter. Uh, favorite beer on a Sunday? A sunny, sunny day. day. A sunny, sunny day. day. Yeah. Um, go ahead. John. Um, think about this for a second. I think... My favorite beer on a uh, see the sunny day part is throwing me off. I I, I just think okay, I'll just say uh, Sierra Nevada. That's like my good. That's like a go to IPA. That's a good one. It's a really good IPA. Uh, since you stole mine, I think I'm, I might say like a like a hop execution or something like that. Okay, that's pretty solid on sunny. Day. I also like a nice. I, if if we want to go away from the IPA, I could do definitely do like a pilsner mm-hmm. with lime. I know it's not traditional. I know I know Ooh, it's okay. I know yeah. it's a uh, you know American thing to do lime in the beer, but it's good. I don't care. I don't care what you yeah. think. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All righty. That brings us to our final segment of the night. Our quote of the night to sum up pretty much everything from yesterday comes from our captain, our leader, our leader, Michael Parkhurst, who says, we were terrible. And we were, Michael. We were. You're spot on. You're spot on. All right. That's going to do it for us here on Five Stripe Final. Shout out Ryan Katniss. Shout out Jason Isbell. Shout out Patrick Sickle. Shout out Kyle Morton. Shout out Merlin. Shout out Jid. Shout out Donald Glover. Shout out Ben Jones. And shout out to LeVar Burton, the one and only who follows me on Twitter now, by the way, out of like 600 other people. I am there next to Emmy winners and Oscar winners on his follow list. Please uh, check that out because LeVar Burton is the man. And I'm trying to make him an Atlanta United fan, by the way. It's going to We'll happen. do it. Shout out Jorge Feeler, shout out Frank Ocean, shout out Patterson Hood, and we will see you guys. When is our next game? Saturday? Is it Saturday or Sunday? Set. Sunday. Oh, don't forget about the Copa de Glutton as well. Shout out Harris Krukskitch and Sam Franco, who will be eating wings for charity at the Faction Tailgate. They have 30 minutes to put down 75 JR Cricket's wings. Uh, it's going to be disgusting, but it's going to be for charity. There also be some surprises involved with that as well as far as some guests and attendance. We're really excited about that, but shout out to the faction for helping us put that together. It's going to be a ton of fun at the tailgate, probably starting about two hours before kickoff on Sunday. Uh, so make sure you get there in time for that and donate to the Fuji's family. Yeah, and if you see us, say hi. We'll, I think we'll, we'll both be there. So, um I think I'll be emceeing for part okay, of Okay, great. So yeah, I'll just be watching. Yeah. I'll just be watching the the carnivorous action. So, looking forward to it. Oh, God. It's going to be gross. Yeah. Going to be gross. Just like this game. Hopefully, you can watch this off. We'll see you all Sunday. Have a good night, folks. Bye, y'all. Bye. my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping. Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence